Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's Wednesday, March 15th, and welcome to another episode of The Ben Jarofsky Show. On today's show, Monroe Anderson makes his triumphant return. Monroe Wednesdays is here. The Ben Jarofsky Show brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and so much more. Hey, you like columns from Ben Jarofsky? They're up there at ChicagoReader.com. Oh, you like more stuff from Ben Jarofsky? All you got to do is go to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Back in Time Wednesday, and here's why. City Council, as I speak, is meeting, or maybe it's just uh, wrapping up its meeting. Uh, Monroe Anderson was my dutiful reporter telling you about this. Uh, and uh, they were either introduced or entertained a proposal by Alderman Scotty Wagesbeck, 32nd Ward, Monroe's old alderman, uh, that would, we've talked about this quite a bit on the show, that would uh, appoint council chairs of the Chicago City Council before the April uh, 4th mayoral election. Before, not after before. Traditionally, it's after the mayoral election because the mayor determines who the council chairs are. This is a fundamental precept, uh, <laughs> or I should say it's a fundamental contradiction in democracy in the city of Chicago. The notion that the executive, the mayor, would appoint the, the legislative branches chairs, very powerful positions in the city council. If you're a chair of a council, uh, excuse me, a council committee, you get you have some staffers, so you have a little patronage, you have control of a budget, so you have a little jurisdiction, uh, and you have authority over measures that uh, have to come to the city council ultimately for a vote, up or down. If the mayor controls the chair, he or she, the mayor, controls the flow of legislation in the city council and has the loyalty of the aldermen. And this has been the traditional way of things since Harold Washington seized control of the city council in 1986. And after that, there was no question. Mayor Daley absolutely controlled the Chicago City Council. They were like circus seals performing uh, on, you know, with the ball on their nose. Whatever Mayor Daley told them to do, they did. Backflips, front flips, rolling on the ground. Really well-trained circus seals. Uh, that tradition continued uh, with Rahm Emanuel. If you recall, Rahm Emanuel's first budget, one of the most um, despicable acts uh, in this uh, city council for this century, where he closed the mental health clinics and tried to cut libraries, et cetera, and so forth, uh, passed by a vote of 50 to nothing in the Chicago City Council. And the city as itself like, acted like, what a great feat that is. That shows we have a mayor in charge. So now here we have this preemptive attack uh, by Scotty Wagesback and some of his allies to try to uh, determine on their own before either Brandon Johnson or Paul Vallis is elected to choose a chairman or the chairs of committees. Uh, I think it will fail. That's my prediction, and I will tell you why I believe it will fail. Uh, Chicago, I've come to realize, having lived here since 1981, it's a cautious, conservative town. There are lefties in the city of Chicago. I am one of them. I acknowledge that. But by and large, it's a cautious, conservative town. The overwhelming percentage of people in the city don't even vote. Okay, so it's a city that whose future is charted by roughly 35% of the population that votes. 65% of the population has no say whatsoever in who runs the city, unless you consider by not voting, that's a say, like a negative say, just, I don't know, it's an existential question to deal with later. So you generally, it's the more uh, up well-to-do uh, homeowners who vote. And they're cautious and they're conservative and they view the city, they view their stake in the city as an investment that they're very scared and nervous about. And so right now it seems as though a Paul Vallis will be victorious. And I say that because every single person I know in mainstream Chicago is predicting that Paul Vallis will win. I think mainstream Chicago is comfortable with that. And by mainstream Chicago, I mean people uh, who uh, 
the editorial boards of the newspapers, people who write for newspapers, uh, the, uh, the business community, the civic community, uh, and uh, real estate committee, all community, all these various constituents are absolutely convinced that Paul Vallis will win because he has all the tr traditional advantages uh, that a victor has, namely money. He's and, got more money than Brandon Johnson, and, and he could go on TV with and, advertisements. And skin color. Well, I was going to get to that one, right? <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, and skin color. And they will never admit the skin color thing about it openly. No one will ever admit that unless you're listening to Monroe Anderson on the Ben Jarofsky show. No one in the city of Chicago will admit that Paul Vallis has a decided advantage over Brandon Johnson because he is a white man. But that's a reality. We all know it in the back of our minds, whether we admit it or not. They don't cheer and chant the name of Paul Vallis at the St. Patrick's Day parade on the southwest side for any other reason than he's a white man and they're about to take back City Hall. So everybody knows uh, in mainstream Chicago, or senses, I should say, that Paul Vallis will be victorious. And the aldermen are very much a part of mainstream Chicago. And so the aldermen are working for the assumption that Paul Vallis will be the next mayor. And so they're not about to cut a deal with Scotty Wagaspex. They view Scott Wagaspex's attempt to name aldermen to chairs of committees right now before the election as a, a, a last-ditched attempt for him to save his finance committee chair post. He was appointed to that by Lori Lightfoot. She was, was, uh, lost the election, so he no longer has his sponsor to that position. So most of the aldermen are like, oh, no, I'm not going with Scott Wagaspex. I'm going to go with the winner. I'm going to go with the man. That's why they're lining up. You think they're just lining up and supporting him because they actually believe he has a better idea of what to do with Chicago and crime? Do you actually believe that? I know you cannot believe that. I know you listeners, dear listeners, are too smart and too intelligent to believe that aldermen in the city council who are lining up for uh, to endorse Paul Vallis actually believe his plan for the city is better than Brandon Johnson's. No, they're doing it because they want to cut a deal. That's Chicago. It's a very transactional city. They want to cut a deal, so they want to swap their endorsement for a committee chair or favorable position. They want the mayor in charge. It's easier to be allied with a powerful mayor than it is to what? Try to chart the course. You know, the mayor, the all-powerful mayor gathers all what? The information they need to know, uh, all the facts and figures, has all them uh, at command to make any argument they want to make on any issue that comes before the city council. The, the, the mayor of Chicago has a press corps that writes up, Monroe, Monroe knows this, he was a press secretary. They write up bullet points, they make it easy. They literally give a script to the alderman. This is what you say. You read this point when it comes to your time to speak. Here it's really simple. You don't, If you don't want to read it, just kind of like memorize it and then pretend that. <laughs> It, it wasn't that way under Sawyer. It was not that way. <laughs> no, no, no. They were a little more rebellious under Sawyer. Yeah, what was it, 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 it was uh, all for none and none for all. <laughs> well, it's been that way since Sawyer, yeah. uh, with the ex exception of uh, a few years post-pandemic uh, under Lori Lightfoot. So all the aldermen, and we have great joy talking about them who were rebelling against Lori Lightfoot, like I'm thinking of Raymond Lopez and uh, Anthony Beale. They're both going to go. <laughs> it's going to be back to the old days when Paul Vallis is elected. And so Paul Vallis will tell them who the chairs are, uh, will determine who the chairs are, and uh, what legislation gets entertained and what legislation gets dumped into the Rules Committee never to be entertained again. That is how Chicago runs. And mainstream Chicago will applaud because that's viewed. Follow me this, ladies and gentlemen. That's viewed as a functioning city. So it doesn't matter if the idea that the city council passes because the mayor tells them to pass is preposterous or counterproductive, like selling the parking meter deals for a fraction, like selling the parking meters for a fraction of what they're worth. It doesn't matter. In fact, if anything, getting the city council to overwhelming vote for a deal that's horrifically bad for the city of Chicago is a sign in the minds of mainstream Chicago that Chicago's working. Because if you can get the aldermen to do something really stupid, like sell a parking meter that are worth $10 billion for $1 billion, then you can pretty much get them to do anything. And so there is absolutely no resistance to anything the mayor does. So if you control the mayor 
or if you're in alliance with the mayor, you'll get what you want. I actually think they like the parking meter deal because it proves that their system works. It's not chaotic. So what we're seeing right now, ladies and gentlemen, in the city of Chicago is the days before we go back in time. It's no coincidence that Paul Vallis's slogan is take back Chicago because they are so ready to go back to the days of Mayor Daley. All right, Monroe, that's my thoughts on that little bit of news that you dropped on me uh, this morning when you were telling me you were watching it on TV. Uh, do you? I, I, I want to correct you or, or disagree with you on one point. Go. Okay. M- Mayor Richard J. Daly set the standard for. If it's it, it, it didn't happen with his son. His son just um, followed in his father's footsteps. But we, but instead of having a patronage army, he had a pinstripe army. Yeah. But it was the same deal where the mayor um, controlled the city council and got rubber stamped under under Daddy Daly. Yeah. Also, so and and actually, what we have here is the East Coast mayors have a a um, have more power. They have a they they, uh, they they have power over their councils. You go to the West Coast, the mayors have much less less power. What Wagenstaff is trying to do now, Wagenstaff is trying to do now, is give the city council more authority because that's a more it's a more modern idea on how things go. But, but Chicago's still ain't ready for reform. No, Chicago <laughs> yeah. likes the old ways. Right, right, right. <laughs> so uh, I sit corrected uh, that, yes, uh, this form of government uh, was essentially uh, mastered by Richard J. Daley in the 50s and the 60s. Uh, I don't like to go too far back in time, Monroe, because really the further back you go there are fewer and fewer people who have any memory of notion of it so i figure okay richard m daly is safe but i've come to realize no the 90s are no longer safe this is a point that has occurred to me i talk to people about paul Vallis, and a lot of them don't know who he is and i'll send them articles or columns i wrote from the 90s about his reign at chicago public schools and they go oh my god i didn't know this so the 90s is the distant past monroe the 90s okay right, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, our children were born in the 80s, so and they weren't paying attention to no, they weren't paying that time. In fact, I, I'll say this I believe this is why I applaud the millennials and the Z's, they're far more aware. Uh, well, let me amend that. The millennials, when millennials were in high school, they were pretty clueless about city politics by and large, right? Uh, and they didn't follow it. I think they're more aware now. The kids today are a little more aware. Uh, than they were back then. And uh, in general, people are very indifferent to, uh, to city politics. All right. So uh, you didn't challenge me on a central assumption. I want to get back to you and have you uh, see if you agree with me. Okay. And that is this. When I say mainstream Chicago, and I think you know establishment Chicago, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, white people. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, did I say that? <laughs> We're going to get into definitions with woke in a little bit, but <laughs> you always, <laughs> white people, white people, you always get a rough time when Monroe's on the show. I defend you. You have no idea how much I defend you. Um, so, uh, so <laughs> mainstream Chicago, and there are some black people and Hispanic people uh, in mainstream Chicago, but by and large, but white they, people. <laughs> they do the bidding of white people. I don't care what color they are. It's you know, it's like with the police department. I mean, you will have some black cops um, beating up or shooting some black people, but they're only following the 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 um, culture established mainly by Irish cops many you know, it's generations ago. All right, so. Um, uh... I will just call it mainstream Chicago. Yes, but uh, and uh, you could call it white Chicago. Uh, We will uh, respectfully differ on the title, but I think we all know what it is. If you 
Uh, and that is sort of like the establishment of Chicago, uh, the corporate community, the people who, uh, who are right now rallying to Paul Vallis' side with campaign contributions. Um, so they are absolutely convinced that Paul Vallis will be victorious. And uh, they're already, you know, uh, repainting the mayor's office in their mind. Me measuring uh, the drapes. Measuring the drapes, as they say. Lefties, on the other hand, my beloved lefties, are, are you bringing a lefty on the show? Absolutely. They go, you don't, you're misreading the public, Ben. Uh, mainstream Chicago doesn't know what it's talking about. It doesn't matter if Jesse White has endorsed uh, Paul Vallis. It doesn't matter if Walter Burnett has endorsed Paul Vallis. It doesn't matter if Joyce Kenner has endorsed Paul Vallis or Rod Sawyer, et cetera, and so forth, or Raven Lopez, uh, or J. Maul Green now. It does not matter. Okay, uh, before you go, your theory that you presented, how does J. Maul fit into that? Uh, well, Jay Maul is ha, has elevated himself into mainstream Chicago. Uh, that was pretty apparent on the campaign trail when he ripped uh, Brandon Johnson. He started attacking. There, there were nine candidates for mayor. He had his choice as to who he could pound the hardest. There's and there's quite an array. You could go all the way to the right, where you had Paul Vallis, who had spent the better part of the last year or so associating with uh, Awake Illinois, an extreme right wing group. Uh, you had Willie Wilson, who had some pretty right-wing uh, views about crime. You had Lori Lightfoot, who the mayor, very unpopular, uh, and then Chewy Garcia, et cetera, and so forth. But Jay Maul was hitting hardest at the lefty in the race. I'm like, mm, I see he is getting ready to make that move into mainstream Chicago. And uh, I feel he'll do very well for himself. Most people, Monroe, you know this, if you accommodate. Mayor Daly, th the model is... He will welcome you to the fold, right? If yeah. you know this, yes. they will welcome you to the fold if you choose to join. Am I right? You know yes. that. Oh no, they they're very good at accommodating. If you if you if you can go along and get along, they'll take care of you. That's, what, that's, that's, that's why we have um, Judge Evans now. <laughs> Judge Timothy Evans. Yeah. Yes. Judge, head of the, not just Judge Evans, but the chief judge. Right, exactly. Well, yeah, uh, he worked his way up. He worked his way up. But the thing is, he got the initial position uh, mysteriously after he helped um, make, uh, give give it give, give it back to what you call him, what, mainstream, mainstream Chicago? Chicago. Yeah. He, he he helped make Chicago great again. Yeah, right, right, right. Make Chicago great again, all right? Yeah. The 1990 well, version for, of Make Chicago right, exactly. Great Again. For, for, for 30 years, white people ran the city again. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, mainstream. Yeah, mainstream. Call it mainstream. <laughs> mainstream. Uh, so. Uh, or, or we could call it the, the default position. Yes, the default position. Uh, otherwise, nine. No. The usual prospects. Usual suspects. Uh, so, but lefties come on and they say no. And there was an article in the New Yorker uh, just recently about applauding a Brandon Johnson's campaign. It was a, a different kind of campaign. Got further on less money. Uh, did a lot of fun, very creative fundraising with house parties. Uh, heavy door-to-door -door work. And uh, did more with less uh, was the point of the article. And it, uh, it was sort of applauding the left uh, for being very bold and daring and uh, committed. Uh, most Chicagoans in the, of the mainstream persuasion dismissed that as an irrelevant. And what said what matters is being on TV, having campaign flyers that you can mail directly to somebody's house uh, and just sort of turning off the greater proportion of the city of Chicago, dissuading them from voting by basically putting out the message is that it's hopeless to challenge the powers that be because you'll never win. Uh, and so th with a low turnout, uh, that the Paul Vallis will prevail. Lefties disagree. Do you side with the quote unquote mainstream uh, point of view? Uh, or do you uh, side with the lefty point of view who believe that Brandon has a chance? I'm, I'm going to side with the, quote, mainstream. Although the, the unions, as a general rule, are backing Brandon, and they may have more going on 
that then what's um, obvious to the the average viewer. They 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 may have their stuff together. They may be organized enough with an undercurrent, and that's why why the lefties that you know are are telling you this. Um, but from all appearances, it's um, hello, Mayor Vallis. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, Chicago's going to be a great again. Yeah. Well, when you say the unions, let's not forget again, uh, their union in Chicago are divided to a certain degree. Uh, there's the oh, activists, the, police, the unions, the, Chicago yeah, Teachers Union. The police union, yeah, right. The trades, or they're with Vallis. So he's right. exactly. got a million dollars from uh, the operating engineers just the other day. So even the unions are not, a, uni- a united you know, board. You know what you're talking about, the unions that have historically, traditionally discriminated against black people. So we're back to white again. <laughs> you know, I, I hate to keep bringing this up because I I, I know it's not, it, it's not um, in vogue to, <laughs> to bring up the idea that uh, white supremacy still reigns in America. No. But it does. Uh, I want you to know that we've moved away from that, Monroe. Okay? You didn't yeah, see we, got, we had a black president. That took care right. of everything. And, and all these ballot supporters voted for him. Oh, have you know, Ben, I voted for Barack Obama. Uh, okay. Right. What, what, now, all right, here you go. What is it about Barack Obama that made him so uh, appealing to the ballot crowd? Uh, whereas Brandon John, and you know what, Barack Obama was not, was roughly the same age, I think, uh, he, uh, when he was yeah. elected president as Brandon Johnson. Barack Obama didn't really have a whole lot of, I don't think Barack Obama had any executive experience. The country, all the things they're saying about Brandon Johnson, I can't vote for him. He's never run anything, Ben. They, right. But they voted for Obama, never run anything either. So help but me, Monroe. Yeah, I need the help difference me. is Obama had been vetted by the mainstream America, i.e. Harvard. <laughs> and, uh, so he, he he had been vetted. So he was an okay. And plus, Obama, the candidate, ran in such a, a fashion that depending on your politics, if you were moderate or liberal, you could, um, he's a Rorschach test. You can imagine, you could, you could apply to him whatever you wanted. And, and so that's how he, he got through. Plus, um, McCain had Sarah Palin. And that, didn't help. that didn't help either. Right. No, I think people were, it, uh, absolutely, Sarah Palin didn't help. But I actually, People were in love with the idea of voting for Barack Obama. They were enthusiastic about it. Right. Uh, I don't know what they thought was going to happen. You know what I'm saying, Monroe? I, I mean, in retrospect, uh, I, I mean, what did what did people think was going to happen when Barack Obama I, was elected I, president? I, I think they were seeking validation that they weren't racist. Because they voted for Obama, we we got a black president. So after after his first term, and with the uh, backlash from the teabaggers, <laughs> it was like okay, done with that. We, we did that. So we do that anymore. <laughs> we we gave him we gave him a chance. And by the way, Obama, and, and, and this is really interesting. Yeah. There was no scandal in the eight years Obama was in office. Not one of his people got indicted. Not one of his people went to jail. Not one. And whereas they're they're in the process right now of building a Trump wing in one of the federal prisons. <laughs> so many of his folks are going to be in jail. Prison. Well, which is yeah, uh, and what is uh, your takeaway? Including Trump, I mean, yeah, including. We'll get to that. Trump about to be indicted in New York. Right. Michael Cohen testifying in front of a grand jury. I think he's he spent all day Monday or a good chunk of Monday there, and I think he's coming back today, Wednesday. Uh, yeah, to testify in a grand jury in New York. 
Uh, and um, so what's your takeaway from that, Monroe, that uh, Barack Obama uh, ran a, a uh, r- relatively honest, non-corrupt right. administration as opposed to Donald Trump, which is there, his administration, his people violated the law every which way you looked, uh, following the lead of Donald Trump. Uh, and yet the people who support Donald Trump believe in law and order. What's your takeaway from all that? They believe in their law and their order. And their law and their order being, quote, mainstream, <laughs> is they didn't want none of those non-mainstream people doing anything at all. Uh, <laughs> mainstream. Wink, 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 wink. All right, uh, so we're having fun, poking fun here uh, at our use of a language uh, and the sort of implied, uh, sort of the implications behind phrases that we use, uh, the euphemistic phrases that we come up with to avoid directly addressing the issue at hand. So we talked about this at mainstream. Chicago really is just like bringing things back to white people. Uh, and um, it's just a euphemism. That brings me to woke leave Chicago for a little bit, although I absolutely believe the quote-unquote anti-woke faction of Chicago, which is fairly significant, is just they're beyond happiness with Paul Vallis uh, as their mayor, uh, presumably her, their mayor, uh, because uh, he, Paul Vallis, over the last couple of years has let it be known uh, that he disapproves of wokeness. And woke, the concept of woke, uh, Monroe, is used uh, all the time uh, politically in all different venues from people on the left, on the right, comedians. <clears throat> whenever I just saw the Chris Rock special, I don't know if you saw that, uh, but whenever Chris Rock or any co- comic uh, wants to criticize people who criticize him, <clears throat> he dismisses them as woke. Uh, and uh, I think that's pretty much standard for comedians these days. They want the right to insult absolutely anybody. And if somebody's offended, they just want to dismiss their offense and say, oh, they're just woke. And that's what's the matter with America today. Everybody's woke. Uh, so to this point, uh, there was an exchange uh, that uh, several listeners sent to me. So one of them being Frank. Thank you, Frank. Also saw it on D.L. Hughley's uh, uh, Instagram page. This is really making the rounds. So I thought we'd play it. Uh, and so I'll just set it up a little bit. The host uh, is Brianna Joy Gray, uh, and she is a lefty. She was Bernie Sanders' press secretary in the 2020 campaign. Uh, and her guest was a right-winger uh, named Bethany Mandel, uh, or Mandel. Uh, and they were talking uh, of politics. I didn't hear the full uh, interview, but essentially Mandel have more than once uh, alluded to woke and using it the way right-wingers or MAGA uses woke. And that and one De- point... DeSantis in particular... DeSantis in particular, exactly, who's really, this is like, if he gets, this is how he's going to get the nomination, by attacking woke uh, uh, in every step away with his laws and his rhetoric. Uh, So, Producer Chris, why don't you play uh, this exchange uh, so we can see what happens when Brianna Joy Gray asks Bethany Mandel what she means by woke. And Americans consider themselves very liberal. And probably fewer of them consider themselves to be woke. And so, you know, when, when well, we talk about What does that mean to you? Re- could, could, would you mind defining woke? Because it's come up a couple of times, and I just want to make sure we're on the same page. So, I mean, woke is sort of the idea that... Um, <laughs> I... This is going to be one of those moments that goes viral. I mean, woke is something that's very hard to define, and we've spent an entire chapter defining it. It is sort of the understanding that we need to totally reimagine and redo society in order to create hierarchies of oppression. Um, Sorry, it's it's hard to explain in a 15-second soundbite. Yeah, look, your time. (laughs) I love how she goes, take your time. Right, exactly. Oh, that was well done, uh, Brianna. Joy, great. Take your time. We got all time. We, uh, yeah, take more time. You need more time. You know, and what's so rich about that? Her, her, her description, the right winger uh, definition of woke, is that this is what white 
the the MAGA crowd wants is where you 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 have a hierarchy of who's who and what's what. That's what they want to return to. I mean, you, you know, that's that that's been the situation. And so, um, and that's what she wants to go back to. Uh, at the same time, she's uh, accusing the other side. Of course, um, no. Um, you know, it's like how um, Fox News <laughs> has has an inappropriate name. News should not be in there. Yeah. And and you know, and the thing is, the right wing has no imagination whatsoever. So their anti woke uh, uh, movement is awake. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Those who are guests woke are awake now. No, it's uh, it's suppose it's sort of like that line that from the Supreme Court ruling. Uh, they they can't define pornography; they just know what it is when they see it. Right. So exactly, uh, they would say uh, what you're saying is woke, okay? Yes. Because it challenges them. Right. All right, yeah. and. Uh, uh, and so that's the well, they can dismiss it by saying it's woke. So if you uh, come up with a catchphrase that just dismisses reality, uh, then you don't have to confront it and deal with it. Uh, so in your mind, Monroe, <clears throat> what does woke mean? What woke woke is is comes out of um, the murder of George Floyd. And the reaction to that is like, whoa, this country is more screwed up than we thought it was. Or you can kill a man, keep have your foot on it, a cop can have just kill a man in, in broad daylight uh, by by cutting his wind off for almost nine minutes. And so suddenly there was an awakening among the non-right wing forces in America. So you, if you remember, there were all these protests and gatherings around the world, but particularly mm -hmm. here in the United States. And it was like, they are now woke. That's what they became was yeah. woke. And that we needed to change, society needed to change on a bunch of different levels. We, uh, one of the, the things we, we, we got out of that is more of an acceptance of gay marriage, for example. I mean, it was, it, 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 there was a, progressive exposure at, the, at that time. And so what the right did as quickly as they could was back, was had a backlash against all this liberal stuff, progressive stuff that was going down. And so now they're awake against the woke. <laughs> yeah, I just had a kick with it. You want people to be asleep? You don't want them woke? You want them right. asleep? Right. Uh, no, woke is just, a, yeah, it's a tool. It's a hammer that the right uses against the left. Uh, it's pretty effective. As soon as they say woke, people are rallied to it. Uh, and uh, I, uh, I know they, they, they just they use the word just to denigrate anything that's progressive yeah. or that's not um, homophobic and. Um, <laughs> Anything that's anti, anything that's progressive, they use yeah. uh, to say that's woke, and we don't want that. Well, We're and different. and in the context of this particular conversation, what this came out of was a discussion of whether uh, the black community uh, in this country was as liberal uh, or progressive oh, yeah. on on social issues, right? Uh, as many people might assume, and right. what this right winger was saying is, no, they're not woke. <clears throat> and that's when um, uh, right. Roy Gray immediately said, well, what do you mean? Uh, <clears throat> what do you mean by that? Um, I just think in general, uh, Monroe, people don't want uh, to feel as though they should be ashamed of doing the things that they're doing. So, for instance, uh, there was a column uh, by Alden Lowry. Uh, in the Sun-Times, and Alden will be coming on the show to discuss it this week. Alden, a WBEZ editor, really uh, great journalist in the city of Chicago. Uh, and he wrote a column uh, in which he uh, dealt with the issue of crime in the city. 
And he pointed out that in some of the communities where the law and order cries are the greatest, uh, are where the crime rate is the lowest. Yes. And um, <laughs> and he did it. It was he was very uh, dispassionate. Excuse me. wasn't wasn't like a, a Ben Jarofsky rant. You know what I'm saying? He, he didn't get. You know. You know how I get. You know. He wasn't doing that, Monroe. And uh, the response he got was outrage from people in those communities, like the northwest side, the southwest side. He was just pointing something out. He, it's sort of like, and I, the way I view it, Monroe is like people in North Dakota who are right on the border with Canada enraged about what's happening at the border across the country in Mexico. Right. Why you care so much? It's on the other side of the country. Why aren't you more interested in what's going on on your little literal border that's just north of you? That they call you woke if you ask that question so they get dismissed. Oh, you know, I mean, with the crime issue, for, for example, the greatest shootings and crime is going on in red states but they've managed to paint the problem at Chicago and Detroit and Milwaukee, wherever they're black folks, that's where the problem is. Um, so anyway, so when he wrote this column, the response he got was uh, an angry one for many readers who felt that he was accusing them of something, okay? Now, if uh, Monroe wrote the column, he'd have said they're a bunch of redneck racists, okay? Uh, and uh, they were white supremacists. But all didn't do that. He was, Monroe was very, just, it was just, he pointed this out. He pointed this sort of inconsistency out. That the areas where law and order cry were the largest, the lock them up cries were the loudest, were areas with the lowest crime rates. And then people would write in and go, I have you know, and then they would say, I'm the victim of a crime. Right. You know, I was the victim. Yeah. You know, pe people would say, my car was carjacked. My home was broke. I don't know. They'd all were all victims of crime. Oh, you, you know, it's just like when back in the day, I think we've gotten past this, but I'm not sure. But back in the day, whenever a white person was caught being racist, their defense would be, one of my best friends is black. <laughs> and so that excuse you, that cleared the record right there because you had a black friend. Yeah. So and nowadays, you know, I mean, uh, there was a, a bank robbery yesterday in my neighborhood, literally a block and a half away from my house. And so I'm sure that they would use that as an example of there was crime in Lincoln Park also. Did not know there was a bank robbery in downtown. U, a U.S. bank, okay. a U.S. bank on on Clyburn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but the point he was making was that okay, yes, there are individuals, and perhaps there are individuals uh, who have been the victim of a crime, but overall, the <laughs> levels of crime are very low in these neighborhoods. They're, in fact, yes. very safe. Right. You know, there's always going to be victims of crime. You can't get around it. Right. It's just the way of the world there's some weird twisted people out there and there's yeah, but, well what has happened is before the the pandemic mm -hmm. almost all the crime was done in the south and west sides of the city and was contained it was kept there and so they didn't care but now there's been some overspill with the 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 rioting looting where uh, that happened after uh, Floyd Floyd's murder. George Floyd. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and I can. Gonna... Some happens. A, a little bit happens. Occasionally, you'll get somebody running around sticking up DePaul students, for example. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so there's, you know, it's crime everywhere all the time. All at once. <laughs> I would guarantee like <laughs> the movie. I would guarantee you that there was crime like that back in the 90s in the O's. Guarantee you. Oh, the 90s? Like that. no, that's, that, well, that's part of what the, what's really weird about this. There was more crime in the early 90s than there is right now. Yeah. The mur uh, murders, there was more, that, uh, Chicago had more than, than a thousand murders, I think, yeah. in one year back in the 90s. 
now it's a mere 600 or something. Yeah. Uh, but you would think that um, everybody was killing, getting, getting killed. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And, and I've made this point before on your podcast is in the 90s, um, this t- TV station that I worked at, WBBM TV, was the only station that was running, uh, we had, had a, a if, if it bleeds, it leads policy. So sometimes we'd have six crime stories in our evening news, just one after the other. But everybody else, Channel 7 was doing happy talk. Not sure what 5 was doing, but no, they weren't doing that. Now, all the TV stations are doing crime every day. They'll do a, 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 a crime that didn't even happen in Chicago. You know, somebody's cousin got killed in Atlanta. And they'll do a story about it now. And everybody's into it if it, if, if it bleeds, it leads right now. And so you get that, that whole impression that it's nothing but crime all the time. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's close with some national news. We'll talk banking and we'll talk Trump. Uh, we're not giving this nearly the attention it deserves, but uh, we live in the city of Chicago, and I have, must confess, I am preoccupied with the Chicago election, as I discussed yesterday, or as I call it, we live in Chicago, USA. Uh, but the banking system, uh, <laughs> and to put it, is it uh, took a blow, let's put it that, that way, uh, last week when uh, Silicon, there was a run on the Silicon Valley Bank, and the federal government had to step in, guarantee all the deposits. Uh, and uh, the stocks of banks have been vacillating. Uh, they went down, they plummeted. Uh, yesterday went up, a recovery. And then uh, as I began this podcast, they've gone down again. There's uh, yeah, there's uh, further reaction uh, today. Uh, and there's... Swiss credit is, is, is in trouble. Yes, Swiss now. credit. Yeah, that, that brought it on, uh, the Swiss banking concern. Uh, the political ramification of this i just sit here and I shake my head uh, monroe uh republicans are seizing on this to declare that uh, to accuse the biden in administration of bailing out the banks uh and um are saying that uh, uh once again uh, the little guy is being lost uh, and the, the republic and the democrats are uh, just rushing to the aid of the wealthiest well, initially, the the initial response from the right was that um, the bank was too woke yeah. <laughs> because of it, because of its woke policies. Yeah, no, that that's a double. That's still going out there. Uh, yeah. That that was put out. Yeah, by the Trump people. I just find this like a fascinating thing going on here. Uh, every lefty that comes on this show is always advocating for more regulation of banks. It's just like every lefty who comes on this show is always advocating for more regulations of industry and the railroad industry. And so when things happen like the uh, the rail, the railroad uh, uh, crash in Ohio that threatened the community with toxic fumes, uh, it's the lefties who are who have been saying, see, we told you we needed it. We needed this. And then uh, because it happened in a uh, mainstream community, uh, as you would put it, uh, MAGA rushes forward to say the Biden administration doesn't care about mainstream people, uh, and uh, to use that term. Uh, and then similarly, when <laughs> uh, the Biden administration rushes forward to guarantee deposits at the Silicon Bank, uh, MAGA says they don't care about real people. They only care about bankers, uh, even though they've uh, been against any kind of regulation that the left, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, has proposed to regulate the banking industry. And, and, Mon- and, Go ahead. And, in fact, in fact, the bank that uh, that had to close had been against regulation for obvious reasons. Yes, it had had, had uh, Frank Dodds mm-hmm. uh, been in place. Trump Trump messed it up as he did many things, deregulated it to some extent. Had that been in place and been followed, they wouldn't have had the problem they, they have. So they enough money um, in on um, in house where even though there was a run on it, they they could have withstood it. Yeah. 
So I don't, I don't know what you can do on this front. It's like every other issue with MAGA these days. Right. You cannot reach any kind of compromise with them on banking regulation because when a push comes to shove, they're against it. Uh, then they will use uh, a bank's uh, dysfunction uh, as a weapon politically against Democrats. Yeah, because it, even, because it's a liberal, you're supposed to be a liberal bank when it's in, when it's when it's in Silicon Valley, and most of the Silicon Valley residents and businesses are libertarian. They're not woke. They're not progressive. They're libertarian. No, and, and actually, it's libertarians who are one of the leading uh, denouncers of wokeness, right. which is so ironic. They right. want to be they view like they'll use woke to, as a, a hammer to beat up anybody who's trying to regulate their industry <laughs> that's that's how they'll use yeah. woke right uh and uh they'll get republicans to sing along with them uh because if you're denouncing woke then you're playing to the republican uh playbook but right. then as soon as they get in trouble get the big pile looking for a handout a bailout uh and <laughs> Suddenly, they're not libertarians anymore. Right, where, where, right. Where, 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 where's all the government at? We need the government to help us out. Yeah, make, so we make more money. Right. So I don't know how you have any discourse. Uh, you know me, Monroe, I have libertarian impulses, very strong libertarian impulses. But to me, the libertarian movement uh, in uh, this country is not woke. It's a joke. I can't see any sign of principle. I'm waiting for the libertarians to denounce in the Republican Party uh, the uh, handout to the banks. I don't say, I'm, where, where's Elon Musk when I need him to denounce the handout? That's whole, Where's Elon Musk when I need him to denounce all the government underwriting of the electric car industry, for that matter? So there, there's no consistency whatsoever. As Sam Holloway says, they don't care if you expose them as hypocrites because hypocrisy works to their advantage. I just don't know how you can govern if you're dealing with liars and hypocrites who yeah, change your position. I think it was Warren that's referring to them as the memes. Which is a playoff, of course, on the me generation. Yes. But now she's just referring to them as the memes. If it impacts them or favors them, that's how, that's yeah. that's that's, that's going to be their interpretation of whether it's good or bad. Yeah, and I, I just want to tell you this, people in the city of Chicago. I'm going to bring it back. You're all set, to, uh, mainstream Chicago. You're all set to like Paul Vallis as your mayor. He believes uh, in farming out uh, contracts to charters. That's what he wants to do with the public schools. Right. Exactly. You know. It, yeah. Move government out. He's. Get rid of the central office and let them do what they want. <laughs> right. Uh, under, 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 under the guys that they do a better job. Yeah. At the charter schools. And um, of course they do a better job because they get the cream of the crop. They get to <laughs> they, kick they, anybody out that doesn't. Exactly. They don't let them in in the first place. Let them in. And uh, the, the notion, I mean, I'm just, now we're, it's. The notion that you're going to get more better education from a school run by teachers who get paid less money and have fewer rights. That's that's the main driving force behind the charter schools. So I'm just telling you, uh, mainstream Chicago, you're probably shaking your head at what's going on with the banking industry. You want more regulation. You're worried about your banking, uh, your own deposits uh, and your, your good liberals here in the city of Chicago are outraged by the rhetoric of uh, MAGA in this matter. You're about to elect. You're about to elect Paul Vallis, the anti-woke. Just say a mainstream Chicago. All right, Monroe. We'll close with a little Trump news. Uh, you've been predicting Trump's indictment since about 2017. Uh, the late great Sergio Mims, may he rest in peace, was always making fun of you because it never happened. Uh, but it may, it may be about to happen in New York City. Uh, Stormy Daniels, that case probably before we talk again. You think it's going to happen within, within the next yeah, week? Within, yeah, definitely within the next two weeks. I uh, could definitely have to bring Jim Coogan back for an explanation of what's about to go down. Um, you you think? Okay, so Michael Cohen, uh, Trump's uh, former lawyer, 
the man who actually made the payoffs to Stormy Daniels to keep her quiet uh, about uh, her and sexual. She, and, and she's talking to the DA as we speak right now. Stormy. Okay. So, uh, yeah, they made it clear. They reached out to Trump's people, offered him an opportunity to come uh, and speak to the grand jury. He obviously turned it down. Just doesn't make sense, really, for uh, a defendant, a potential defendant, to speak to a grand jury, especially one who will guarantee perjury himself. (laughs) 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 Yeah, Las Vegas would be taking bets. That's our brother. It took him a minute or or three minutes. Yeah, before he lied. (laughs) So we'll close with your prediction. You say by the time we do our next show, which would be. March twenty second, right? Uh, that um, uh, Donald Trump will be indicted. Yes, or maybe two weeks. Okay, <laughs> I, I can, you know, it, yeah. it could be two weeks, but we, but more than likely, it's going to be next week. Okay, and we still I, got Georgia hanging there, which may bounce any time now. Yeah, and then we got Jack Smith, who's who is, is is working working the uh, the 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 minds all kind of ways? So before it's over, your favorite president may be indicted three. Oh you're 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 twice you're 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 twice impeached, disgraced president may be three times indicted. Twice. Yeah, I uh, have a hard time believing it. Uh, he always seems to wiggle out of this uh, any kind of accountability for his uh, misdeeds, his dirty deeds. Uh, here we are two years after he was caught on uh, recording asking the Secretary of State of Georgia to get rid of the votes uh, that he needed to um, uh, that kept that, that he was behind. Get by. Give him more. Give him more. He only yeah. needed eleven thousand. Yes, give him more. votes. Either, yeah, either get rid of the Biden votes or add votes to him. Whatever way you can do it, make him the winner. They got him right. a tape saying it, and they still haven't indicted him yet. Yeah, uh, that's 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 because of Merrick Garland. He's he's too cautious. Well, that's on the federal side. It's a local yeah. uh, indictment in Georgia, probably if it happens. Oh yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. No, well, she's 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 ready to go. You know her 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 thing is he, yeah. You know, the indictments are imminent. Yeah, imminent. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but that was imminent. three weeks ago. So, you know, I guess imminent is relative. So, which what do you think is uh, uh, more likely to occur? Donald Trump gets indicted, or Brandon Johnson is victorious as mayor? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Trump's going to be indicted. He's going to be indicted. Okay. Yeah, he's he's going to be indicted. I, you know, it doesn't look good. Yeah, it it doesn't. You know, what amazes me about this is Chicago and yeah. and uh, Chicago has not um, elected a black mayor for a second term. Yeah, Harold. Harold got elected I mean, in forty in forty yeah. years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Since Harold. Yeah, since Harold. Whereas Atlanta has had a tradition of black mayors, and as a result, if you look back when Harold was mayor, Chicago was arguably the black capital of oh, the United yeah. States. Now it's Atlanta. Chicago has lost that. It's, it's lost eight, at least eighty-five thousand black residents. It's um, and and it's all because we've been out of power, and um, looks like we will remain so. Yeah. Well, to quote Alden Lowry, uh, they didn't the mainstream Chicago wink wink didn't see it meaning black people leaving Chicago as a problem. Uh, I think that was the whole point of, of the last twenty years of mayoral initiatives. All right, Monroe, we've run out of time. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, I wrote down all your predictions. We'll see if they come true. You're very close in New York. I, the, Michael Cohen, uh, his testimony, I think, will invariably lead to an indictment. Uh, oh, no, that, it, it, no, he's what they're doing now with him being back 
there again is they're just getting the story straight. Mm. They got all like the T's crossed and the I's dotted. So when they make the presentation, and he's going to be their star witness wow. on this, uh, then they want to make sure they've got all the bases covered because uh, Trump's um, lawyers are coming at him um, hard. They're, they're going to try and discredit him every which way. Yeah. They're already saying he's He's an admitted liar, um, and but Trump didn't know. He, he, he counseled, Cohen counseled Trump on Stormy Daniels. Trump, Trump had no idea. And one of the defenses his lawyer presented was, with Ari Miller uh, yesterday, yes. was that um yeah trump lied about not uh, about the hundred and thirty thousand dollars but it wasn't for campaign reasons but he didn't want to be embarrassed he didn't want to um, be embarrassed in front of his wife so it was for personal reasons wow he lied about it so which is not a crime to lie to your lie, lie to your wife i'll screw it around whereas uh well, Trump is right now now in the back to denying he uh, had an affair with. Uh, oh yeah, no, no, he he, he vacillates on that from day to yeah, day. No, you know? no, he denies, but his lawyer says, "Well, even if he if he knew, yeah, I hear you. about it. It was for it wasn't for political reasons. He wasn't he, um, the fact that it it, it, it was days before we we're going to have a an election. It wasn't that he was trying to." protect himself against that it was because he didn't want to hurt melania's okay. feelings all right there you go donald trump didn't want to hurt his wife's feelings all right uh folks uh and if you believe that you'll believe that paul vallis is a maestro who will uh end crime in the city of chicago and restore lower taxes balance the budget uh and uh do all the other magical things that mainstream chicago seems to think uh, okay before we go one, one other thing we're talking about my predictions go okay i told richie daly back in the 90s when he was looking into um having charter schools that he was going if he did that he was going to turn the chicago public school system into cook county hospital meaning it would be mainly for poor people and everybody else would be going someplace else. And with the exception of the um, magnet schools, that is, in fact, what has happened. Well, I actually, I'm going to push back with you on that one. Okay. I think what, uh, you're, there, there's a lot of truth to what you just said. The charter schools will become uh, the schools for poor people. It is clear that in the city of Chicago, uh, that middle class and upper middle class white people want nothing to do with charter schools by and large. In fact, on the north side, they uh, forced Mayor Rahm to stop putting them on the north side. There was an re open rebellion against charter schools on the north side. And so charter schools are essentially used uh, by right-wing, uh, well, they're used for two purposes. One, to destroy the, sh the teachers' union uh, and promote the Republican Party, so they're a political tool. Uh, yeah. And they're also used uh, to facilitate the removal of black people from the city of Chicago. So when black people have left an area lo long enough, enough black people have left an area for the school population has fallen, they close the schools and make a charter. Uh, when black people still fall to the point where the charters population is falling, they close the charter school. When white people move back to the neighborhood, they open a new school. Guess what it is, Monroe? A regular public school. And so I think, oh, yeah, yeah the, down the street from me is Oscar Meyer. Yeah, which is a regular public school now, populated yes. nowadays by uh, upscale people uh, exactly. of the mainstream persuasion. And uh, so that's the, the, the that's just the dirty little secret about uh, charters that you will only hear on a woke show. OK, you'll never hear that on a <laughs> on a non woke show. Uh, well, per perhaps you need to be awakened. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, Monroe Anderson, every Wednesday, uh, we talk local and national politics. A blast talking to you. Also, want to thank producer Chris doing an outstanding job as he always does. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody.
And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more at chicagoreader.com. And find The Ben Jarofsky Show all over the internet on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.